0: Again, I want to start off our time together by uh, putting out a disclaimer. <laughs> um, you know, Cherry and I are not perfect parents, and and we um, acknowledge that uh, very quickly. And some of the things that I'm going to be sharing this morning are things that we've tried to do as parents. Now, we did some things right, and we did some things wrong, um, But but I just want you to know that that we haven't figured it all out. We're, we're still parents, and we're still trigger, still figuring it out, still figuring out how, how do we pass our faith on to our kids. Because, you know, Cherry and I, uh, we've, we've had the opportunity to raise kids in three distinct parts of the country, in the south, on the west coast, and here in, in the Midwest. And I can tell you each culture is uniquely different and how people live out their faith in, those, in just those three areas. Is is very different. We've had the privilege to be traditional parents, to be foster parents, to be adoptive parents, and I can tell you it's different with each one. I, I wished I could say that that what you do with your your you know biological kids is that's what will work with your foster kid, and that's what will work with your adoptive kid. It, do, it doesn't work that way. It's it's each each is different, each is unique, and figuring out you know how how to um, share our faith in a way that it's attractive to them in a way that hopefully they they would uh, pick it up and go with it in their own life is is something that that we're still working on still figuring out Now let me tell you there's no way there is no way a parent can make their child love the lord jesus that is not possible every every child must grow up to make their own choice as to whether they're going to follow jesus or not but parents can influence, and then kids decide what they do with the influence, one way or the other. And so that's what I want us to think about this morning when it comes to standing in our faith. How can we help, first of all, as, as parents, as adults in this world, how can we stand in our faith? And then, and then how can, can we help our kids Adopt that faith into their own life and also stand in it and so uh, those are some things that we're going to be looking at and i'll be sharing some things that cherry and i did and again it's like i said i just because the cherry and i did it that way doesn't mean i'm saying you need to do it that way that was our efforts to try to to raise the our kids in such a way that that they would find the lord attractive and, and want to live for him so, you know, it was the prophet Isaiah who said, if you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And, and those are really important words, maybe now more than ever, uh, because of the world we find ourselves living in, because we no longer live in America, here, in, even in Ohio, right here where we are. We no longer live in, in, in a society that is being governed by biblical values. It hasn't for a while. And, and, and there are, you know, every once in a while I'll still bump into someone who says, you know, America's a Christian nation. We are not. We are not a Christian nation. We haven't been one for a long time. We may have started that way, we may have been built on some Christian principles and Christian foundations, but. But overall, society has, has moved away from that. And, and so if we're going to stand in our faith in today's world, in, in, in the culture that we find ourselves living in, there's one thing that we absolutely have to have, and it's called resiliency. And now, you know what resiliency is? All right, let, me, let me paint a picture for you. Have you ever seen a flower growing in a sidewalk? That's resiliency. Okay, that's what it means to be resilient. There's a flower that has found a way to thrive in an environment that is not conducive to thrive in. That's what it means to be resilient. And if we're going to hang on to our faith, we must learn to be resilient. So resilient, have you ever tried to move a piece of furniture that you can't get a grip on? You know, it's that big, awkward, funny piece of furniture that no matter what, how you try to hold it, you just can't get a grip on it. Well, resiliency is our grip on faith. Without resiliency, we, will, we, we can't hang on. It, it slips through our fingers. It, it, it falls to the ground. But, but when we have resiliency in our life, we find a place to grip and we hang on to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And resiliency is not something we've needed. I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. It's not in, uh, really until the last maybe five to ten years that to be a follower of Jesus Christ currently today in America, you need resilience. And without it, you, you won't. You won't follow Jesus. You, you may have religion but you're not following Jesus without resilience. And so I, I want us to think this morning about what is needed to stand in the faith. And, and I'm going to uh, move some things quickly, and, 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 but, but I think you're, you're going to understand. Some of it's really practical. Some of this you know, we're just going to have to think about and think about how, we're gonna, how am I going to flesh that out in, in my adult life and how am I going to flesh that out with the kids that are in my life? So let's, let's talk about it. What is needed to stand in our faith? First of all, to stand in our faith, we must clearly understand what it means to be a Christian. We must clearly understand what it means to be a Christian. If we, if we don't know what it means to be a Christian, then we're going to have a hard time hanging on to it when we encounter hardship or ridicule or embarrassment or when we're asked to make a sacrifice or, or when we're when we experienced uh, being mocked or made fun of, or, or persecution, which hasn't happened <laughs> to us yet. Okay, I, very few American Christians have endured really any type of persecution. I do believe the day is coming, but but we have encountered ridicule and mocking and being misunderstood and being made fun of, and 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 for for many Christians. Uh, without knowing what it really means to be a Christian, that's, that's all it takes. And they, and they can't hang on to their faith anymore. They can't stand firm in it. So what does it mean to be a Christian? Let me give you a definition of Christian. It's not overhead. It's, it's just free stuff. If you want to write it down, here it is. A Christian is someone who has decided to follow Jesus for all of their life in every area of their life through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be a Christian. It is someone who has decided to follow Jesus for their entire life, in every area of their life, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Anything else less than that is not a Christian, okay? They may have really good values, that that, that person may, may make really some good decisions, and they and they may they may uh, even find parts of scripture that they really connect with and really and really feel good about. But a Christian is someone who has decided to follow Jesus their entire life in every area of their life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Matthew four nineteen, he was talking to a group of guys and he basically turned to him and said, "Come." follow me to be a christian is to make a choice it is not to make any changes all right let that sink in for just a moment when we become christians when someone follows jesus based upon changes that we make in our life that following is based upon a choice we make in our life i choose to follow jesus now Those of us that have been following Jesus, what happens when we start following Jesus? He makes changes. The changes come, but I didn't change to be a Christian. See, he changed me. I I didn't change to follow him. I just, I chose, I chose to follow him. And as I followed him, he starts changing me. that's That's how we become a Christian, and that's what it means to be a Christian. In Romans chapter 12, again, the apostle Paul, he wrote it this way. Don't live any longer the way this world lives. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. Then notice what happens. Then you will be able to test what God wants for you. And look at this. And you will agree. You will agree that what he wants is right. And his plan is good and pleasing and perfect. So see what happens is, is when we, when we uh, choose to follow Jesus, we receive that grace that he offers and, we're, and we, we chase that. We go after that. Well, where he changes us first is in our thinking. Because our thinking determines the way we feel. And the way we feel many times determines the way we behave. So it starts with our thinking. And he changes the way we think. And as that, as that changes, the way we interact with the world changes. The way we see what's going on in the world changes. The way we perceive the world changes. The way we, we perceive people around us. The value of people change as he changes our thinking. This is what it means... To be a Christian. And, and here's, here's what happens if we if we're not willing to do this, if we're not willing to change. In other words, there's there's this belief that I can I, I believe in Jesus, but I'm gonna be just like the world. And that, that happens, okay? But but what It's confusing. It's really confusing. It's confusing to everybody. First of all, the people who are not following Jesus are confused. They're confused because here's someone saying, yes, I follow Jesus, but they act just like someone who's not following Jesus. So that's confusing. Then it's confusing also to those who are sincerely trying to follow the Lord. They're they're trying to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, but they look at someone and they hear that someone say, yes, I follow Jesus. But when they look at their life, they think and act just like those who aren't following Jesus and that's confusing that's confusing and ultimately you know who gets the most confused we do see if you're someone who says i'm following jesus but you're thinking and acting just like the world tell me who's confused who's confused the most but that's what happens to us. See, what it means to be a Christian is, is I choose to follow Jesus. And, and, and as I follow him, he's going to change the way I think. And as he changes the way I think, guess what? I'm going to change the way I behave. I'm going to change the way I talk to people. I'm going to change the way I spend my money. I'm going to change the way I spend time. My priorities are going to change. Not because I changed it, but because he changed it in me. And all I'm doing is following and here's, here's the thing. Jesus had some pretty strong words about people who were not willing to change. Look at what Jesus said in Revelations chapter 3, verse 16. He was talking uh, to the church at Laodicea, and he said, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Wow, that's pretty strong words for someone who's unwilling to change. Now, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't tolerate lukewarm Christians. What does that mean? So, in Laodicea, the context of what was going on in this city, they had hot mineral springs that people used for medicinal purposes. And they also had cold freshwater springs. And people used that for refreshment. And Jesus came along and said, The things that are lukewarm, they're no good in the mouth. And I spit them out. And that's what he's referring to about the, 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 you and I when, when we say, I follow Jesus, but I think like everybody else thinks, I act like everybody else acts. And what's going on in the world and the way I'm responding to it is just like everybody else is. You can't tell I'm following Jesus because I'm acting just like everybody else is acting. And if that, if that happens, then, then we can't stand firm and our faith and here's the thing we have all of our hydro flask you know the our yetis and we and we have our our t-shirts and we have our ball caps and we have our bumper stickers and and we advertise for jesus but he didn't ask us to advertise for him listen our yetis and our t-shirts and and our bumper stickers they do not have to point to jesus but our lifestyle does it has to point to Jesus if we're following Jesus. and he didn't, he didn't ask us to advertise for him. He asked us to be ambassadors for him. Look at, what, look at what God's word says, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Ambassadors, it, it, they, they represent their leader, their country, and their culture. Uh, several years ago, Cherry and I had to go to, to the Colombian consulate in Chicago, Illinois. Okay? Let me tell you something about the Colombian consulate in Illinois. The primary language there is Spanish. When you walk in, there's a big Colombian flag. The music in the background, it's Latin American music. Why? Because they are there representing their leader, their country, their culture. I didn't walk in there and listen to Lady Gaga over the radio. That's not the background music that was playing. That's who you and I are supposed to be living for the Lord Jesus. We should be representing our leader, his kingdom his culture because we're his ambassadors. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to stand in the faith. The second thing that that we would need to consider to make sure that we're standing in the faith is that we are engaged in spiritual battles. Ephesians 6.12 says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You know, in today's culture and the things that are going on in the world, it would probably do us good to read this verse every day, that our enemy is not people. It's not people yelling at more people is not the answer to what's going on in our world. We are in a great struggle against philosophies, against doctrines, against the culture that, that we find ourselves living in, that's promoting a godless way of life, a pleasure-seeking, lust-filled, greedy, selfish way of living life. And we're being bombarded with it. And our struggle, our fight is against those ideas, those, those ideologies that, that, again, it is a battle for our mind. Here in America, the vast majority of the spiritual battles that we're going to engage in will not happen out here. It happens here. And as we begin to change, we don't change the way we think. As we let Christ change the way we think, we're going to behave different. And as we behave different, we're going to encounter conflict in the world. But that conflict is a result of the spiritual battle that we've already won in our mind. How do we know if we're engaged in a battle? We know because it's costing us something. And hey, you think about this: what what is it costing us to follow Jesus? And if it's not costing anything, chances are we're not engaged in a battle. Yesterday, our country remembered 20 years of 9-11. And um, I, I uh, along with you, you probably saw some things throughout the day that, that uh, were reflecting back over the last 20 years. And here's, here's the thing. There was, a, there was a 20-year war that took place after 9-11. There's been a lot of news about that war. But can I, can I tell you, for most Americans, even though that war was going on, for most Americans, listen, we weren't there fighting, and for many of us, we didn't have any family over there fighting. Right? So what did it cost us? What did it cost you individually? If you weren't there, and you didn't have any family members there, What did it cost you personally? And that's how we want to fight most of our spiritual battles. And they can't be fought that way. See, in the United States, we pay someone to fight our wars. We don't go fight. We pay someone to go fight them. In spiritual battles, it doesn't work that way. There's no one to pay to go fight your battle for you. We must each all engage in our own spiritual battles. And fight the good fight but you know you're in a battle when it's costing you something that's how you know that's how that's how you and I know if we're really engaged in the Bible and and here's here's the thing and look at look at what Jesus said look at what happens when we get engaged in these battles in, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Jesus said, God, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. First of all, notice what happens. God blesses us when we're in these battles. Okay? God, God blesses people who are engaged in these battles. But here's the the struggle that you and I have. Because we've grown up in America, and this is is where we live, we have a very poor idea of what it means to be persecuted. Primarily because none of us have been. And we don't know. now, Now listen, we do know what it means to be mocked. To be made fun of, to be misunderstood, to be ridiculed. I've seen that play out in my boys' lives when I've seen them do certain things to stand in their faith and their friends will laugh at them or mock them. I, we, we understand that aspect. But do you know that every six minutes someone is killed in the world simply because they're a Christian? We don't know that. We don't know that kind of persecution. Next week, I'm going to talk a little bit more uh, about the bullies of our world and, and how that plays out. And, 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 but, but here in America, we have a very poor idea of persecution. Can I tell you something? A change in political climate doesn't mean we're being persecuted. So last year, let me give you an example. Last year, um, when the pandemic went, went full-blown, And they started closing things. We went into lockdowns. You remember? You guys remember lockdowns, right? Okay, we started going through lockdowns. And and you remember what they said? Hey, we're asking churches that they not meet. And I had a lot of people call and say, oh, they're persecuting the church. No, they weren't. I mean, they closed restaurants. They closed sporting events. They closed concerts. They closed stores. They closed movie theaters. They were closing Everything persecution would have been if they left everything open and said churches can't meet. That would have been persecution. Do you see the difference? And we have a poor understanding of this. If it's happening to everyone, see, I just flew. I just flew to uh, to Tanzania. Okay, I'm going to tell you, it's a headache to fly. All right, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through to get on a plane. And I I was explaining this to someone, and they said, oh, God's going to reward you for your faithfulness and going through those hardships. Well, you know what? I sat by a couple who was flying to Europe to tour Europe. They did the exact same hoops. They jumped through everything I jumped through. Are they getting a reward in heaven? You see, I wasn't being singled out because I was going on a mission trip. Everybody was doing the same thing. And if it's happening to everyone, it's not persecution. It is trouble. It is hardship. It's a pain in the rear end. But it's not being persecuted for the name of Christ. And that's what, listen, I, even distinguish between when we're being made fun of because we're following jesus or when we're just being in trouble because we live in the times we live in we're going to have a hard time standing in our faith does that make sense how are we supposed to feel with all these hardships when 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 we truly are being singled out because Happy about it. War awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted. It's going to be tough in the stand in the faith. First part of that verse, don't we? the privilege of trusting Christ, but there's a privilege in suffering for Him too. And notice what Paul goes on to say, that we are in this struggle together. When you're suffering for Jesus, you're never alone. Never. You know, I shared with you every day, every, I mean every year, yeah. not every day, a thousand Christians are killed every year. That's one every five minutes for no other reason except being a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and like I said, next week I'll talk more about that. But let me ask you this question. Do you know who the first person was who died for Jesus? The very first person who died for Jesus. His name was Stephen. He basically, he had a, a huge argument. In Acts chapter 7, It says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This This is why this is so important. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead and he ascended into heaven, we are told that he sits at the right hand of the Father. This is the only place in the Bible that we are told Jesus Because when we stand for Jesus, he stands for us. we got to engage in these battles so that we can stand in our faith. The third thing that we need to do is we need to get trained. (laughs) If we're going to stand in the faith, we, we have to get trained. Our country does not send untrained soldiers into harm's way that would be kind of ludicrous wouldn't it that would be kind of silly we're going to we're going to here's here we're going to send these people out to defend us and they've never been trained now we wouldn't do that but you know what we do that to our kids when it comes to the christian faith a lot of times we make sure that they hear about jesus and learn you know they discover who but then but then we for some reason as parents many times making sure our kids get trained in the faith is not a priority it's, it's not high on the list. We have other things we want them to do, and we'll make great sacrifices for them to be a part of that. I mean, to, 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 uh, think of the hours at practice, the, the money spent for that hobby, the, 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 the things that, that the, and, the, and, the, and the sacrifices we will make for them to have these experiences in the world. But if the church is doing something, or if a group of of Christians are getting together to go serve somebody, or, uh, well, you know, he's got practice. Sorry. And listen, I know how hard that is. I raised four boys. I know how challenging all four played sports. I know how hard this is. And I don't know the perfect answer i don't if i if i knew the perfect formula to to, I, i would share it with you i don't know what the formula is i just know this that there must be times in your family that you teach your kids to make a sacrifice for jesus instead of just making sacrifices for their experiences does that make sense you know, when I when, when when our kids were growing up, I mean they they played all these sports. And listen, we had practice on Sunday like everybody else. We even had games on Sunday in some of the sports they were involved in. And there were times that, that they went, they 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 played in their game, they went to their practice. But there were also times that we looked at them and said, not this week. Not today. It wasn't every week, and it wasn't even every month. But there were times that we looked at them and said, we think this is more important, and you should sacrifice practice this time. You should sacrifice being in the game this time. And I get it. I, 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 mean, I got coaches sitting in here now. I know. They're like, whoa, what are you saying? You better not. But there needs to be times that our kids know we make sacrifices to follow Jesus. I don't know the perfect answer. I just know it needs to happen. And no matter how much time your child spends at church, it's not enough. It's not. We whatever we do here, whatever Stephen and Tara and others may plan for our students, it's not enough. The parents must be engaged in this. What we offer here at church is supplemental. It's not not enough. And and, and parents must engage in training their kids in the the matters of faith. And I want us to to spend our last few minutes talking about four areas that, that we should... Consider training our kids when it comes to faith uh, first is to train children the Bible is the only source of truth for life. we gotta, we got to train our kids that if they want to know the truth, they want to know truth about life, it's here. It's in the Scriptures. Look at look at what Second Timothy says. It says, All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen, when our kids are small, sit down and read God's word to them. You don't have to read the King James Version. Fine, fine. you can even use picture Bibles, but, but start introducing God's Word to them. And as they become teenagers, no, they're not going to sit on the couch beside you while you read God's Word. But you can text them God's Word. You can say, I prayed for you this morning, and here's the verse I prayed. This is what I use. And you know what? They may never respond. They may never say thank you. But let me tell you something. They read it. You know why? Because they're addicted to their phones. And if it dings, they will read it. They will look at it. And you're just pouring God's Word into them, letting them know that you are saying this is important. Listen, my parents, when I was growing up, we didn't have smartphones. Okay? My parents couldn't text me Bible verses. But you know what I saw every day when I came downstairs, when I got up and was getting ready to go to school? I found my dad sitting at the kitchen table reading his Bible. That alone was enough for me to know. That's an important thing to him. Every day he was sitting there reading the Word. And he I don't ever remember him preaching to me, talking to me about Jesus. I mean, he took me to church. He... But I don't ever remember my dad sitting down and like dissecting the Word of God with me. I don't ever remember that. But I knew he was a man of the Word. We've got to find ways to introduce this to our, to our kids and, and let them know this is, where, this, is, this is how I'm making it. This is how I'm making it. I'm in the Word. If you want to make it, go to the Word. Another thing that, that we should train our kids in is train them how to respectfully debate against unbiblical ideas. Respectfully debate. Look at what 1 Peter says. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So this has become a lost art among God's people. How how do we respectfully debate what's going on in the world? We We must teach our kids to be critical thinkers, but here's the thing. If we're not critical thinkers, we do not know how to teach them to be critical thinkers. And and unfortunately, what's happened to us is that we live in a world that that I want my answers quickly. I want my solutions. I want to be able to Google it and figure out what I need to do. I I want to know immediately. And and so what happens is we don't think about anything. We just react. We just just react to everything. Everything. And, and we're not thinking it through. And, and, and when it comes to what's going on in the world today, if, if, if we want our kids to be able to, to, to make wise, good decisions, then we must teach them to be critical thinkers. Our, our faith is not just a bunch of emotions. Look at what, look at what uh, Jesus says in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And all your strength. We gotta teach our kids to critically think about things. We gotta teach them to ask good questions. Folks, I can tell you right now, I used to try to convince people with the truth that I know that they're believing a lie. Doesn't work. You have to ask good questions. You have to to ask questions to the point that their logic doesn't make sense to them anymore. But to do that, we have to be critical thinkers. We can't just be knee-jerk reactors to everything that's going on. And and we got to teach our kids to do this when it comes to the Word of God and the values that we hold dear and the way that we live for Christ. Here's the third thing that we need to do, is to train them to receive and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So our faith in Christ, is not just based on solid thinking. It's not just emotional, and it's not just solid thinking. There's also a supernatural aspect to our faith. Look at what Jesus says in John, John 16. This is such a, such a relevant verse for today. Look at what Jesus said. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. he will tell you about it. Listen, is there anything more supernatural than an invisible God who lives inside of you and shares the future with you? Is there anything more mystical or supernatural than that? But it's true. But we have to know how to listen to the Holy Spirit we have to be able to know how to how to discern his voice among all the voices that we're hearing. And there's all kinds of pundits that want to tell us what the future is going to be like, aren't there? They're on the radio, they're on the internet, they're on TV. Everybody's talking about this is what's going to happen next. This is what, this is what's coming down the pike. This is what. And yet God has promised us that if we will listen to the Holy Spirit, He will tell us what we need to do when we need to do it. But here's the thing, if you and I can't distinguish the voice of God from all the other voices, how can we possibly pass that on to our kids? We have to be able to do it so that we can pass it on. Here's the fourth thing, train them to move forward loving other brothers and sisters in Christ. So in John chapter 13, look at what Jesus said. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let me tell you the context of this verse. When Jesus said these words, this was the night he was going to be arrested. He was with his disciples in the upper room. He had brought them up there to have a a meal with them. And you know what they were talking about? They were arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom Who gets to sit closest to Jesus? Who's got the most talent? Who's the most important? And Jesus, he just stops them and he says, Guys, the world's going to know who you follow by the way you love one another. And that's how the world's going to know who we are. It's not going to be from our elaborate responses on social media. It's not going to be the ministry programs that we put together. It's, it's not going to be the way we defend our, and have apologetics. Those things all have their place. But listen to me, the world knows who we are by the way we love one another. And if we're not bringing our kids and exposing them to God's people, letting them learn how to love God's people and letting them receive the love that comes to them from God's people. If, if that's not a part of what we're passing on to our kids, they will not stand in faith. They won't be able to do it. Most of us in this room, many watching online, We're probably familiar with John 3.16. It's kind of like a hallmark verse. But very few of us know 1 John 3.16. Look at what 1 John says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions it's And sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. That's if we want our kids to stand in the faith, one thing they need to be taught is that the body of believers that we are part of, those people, those people, I'm willing to die for them. But honestly, when we sit in church and we look at the people that we're with, very few of us ever think of it that way. Very, I mean, that's just not how we are fleshing it out. But do you know there's places in the world that that's how they survive? This isn't a a hobby they do for an hour on Sunday morning when there's nothing else to do. No. They need those people And those people need them. And they know they would die for each other. That's how much they love one another. I don't know if my kids will ever know that. And I pastor a church. If we don't instill this in our kids, when trouble comes, When persecution really comes and ridicule comes and hardship comes, we won't be able to stand. Let me leave you with a prayer. It says Father, I cannot do life without your spirit, power, and presence. I need your wisdom and discernment. I am a distracted, busy person. Train me to prioritize the desires of my heart, to feed the hunger of my soul, to manage the thinking of my mind, and to wisely use my strength to live for you. Lord, teach me and train me in every corner of my life. Teach me to redeem the time you have given me. Lead me to the right influences and the right people to stand in my faith. Thank you for the kids around me. I ask you raise up a generation that will love you, follow you, and share you. Lord, make them strong. And may they be filled with the love of Christ and love each other well. Lord, make me a good teacher of these principles. I pray it in Jesus' name. I hope. That can be your prayer moving forward in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about standing in the faith, if you'd like to know more about Jesus, please text the word CONNECT to 330-400-2869. We'd love to share more information with you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time.